today on the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. If I see someone, let's say I do a GI map and I see that they have a parasite, if they have H. pylori and they have a parasite, what happens a lot is H. pylori causes low stomach acid. When we don't have enough stomach acid, we don't digest our food properly. But also when we're exposed to parasites and other pathogens, we don't have that good, strong acid in the stomach to destroy them. So we're kind of like a prime target for other pathogens to grow and multiply. And so I usually tell people, it's likely, no way to know for sure, that you had the H. pylori that caused the low stomach acid. Then you got exposed to this parasite. It wasn't, your body couldn't kill it off. The acid of the stomach should be like a first kind of line of defense when it hits there. And so then you were just like a prime target. So if I just tested and found out about the parasite, and this person also had H. pylori, I'm not really fixing the problem. I could get rid of the parasite, but then we're not really, again, fixing the underlying problem. Hello, hello. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Jones. And today I talk with nurse practitioner, Julie Davey, an expert in gut health, irritable bowel syndrome, gas, bloating, how to test for it, and then what do you do once you find out about it? Before we get started though, I wanna talk to you about something that comes up pretty often on this podcast. And that of course is lab testing. You see, testing is one essential way to understand the root cause of an illness. If you're an integrative or functional medicine practitioner, chances are you're placing a ton of orders with a ton of different labs. The Root Cause Medicine podcast is created by Rupa Health. Rupa is the best way to order, track, manage all your results from over 30 different labs in one single place. Thank goodness, no need to create and log into multiple portals ever again. If you are a practitioner, make sure you go sign up at rupahealth.com to create a free account today. Now, let's start the show. Oh my gosh, Julie, welcome to the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. I am so excited to talk about gut health with you today. Thank you so much for having me. This is my favorite thing to discuss, so I'm really excited to be a guest. Well, and especially because I was looking over like the questions that I'd sent you as, you know, as a guideline, because what I had done is I'd pulled a lot of questions that we get on social media, the questions I get, the DMs, the questions that I see in the comments. And it seems to be the same questions over and over, which we will cover, but I'd love to answer listener questions of, I have diagnosed with IBS. What does that mean? I feel like that's not really the end cause. I've heard of SIBO. What's that? What really is gut health? And so we're literally going to piece this apart because these words get thrown around a lot. And I think people who are listening are going to appreciate to have clear answers versus just stamped with a acronym and not really sure what to do with it. Yes, there are lots of acronyms floating oh around out there. <laughs> it's a whole language into itself as in medicine. Before we get started, though, why don't you introduce yourself, let everybody who's listening know who you are, what you do, what you stand for, so they have an idea before we move forward. Sure. So my name is Julie Davey. I am a nurse practitioner. I was in traditional medicine for, gosh, over 20 years. And about 10 or so years ago, I really started to transition into more of a holistic functional medicine space. And for me, it started with just myself and my own health. And I just really wanted to learn how to take care of my body and my family in a more natural way. So that's kind of where I started learning. And then I really kind of got a little bit frustrated with traditional medicine in the way that I'm super grateful that we have it when we need it. 
but more so that I really didn't feel like I was doing the best for my patients that I could because it's often, as we know, a Band-Aid approach. And so I was seeing people really weren't getting better and I knew that there were things that could make them better. And so I really just started slowly to transition and created my own virtual practice ultimately. But what really led to that is I had gut issues for 20 years at least. I mean, dating back into my teens, I had gut issues. And about four or five years ago, I discovered the GI map test and I took the test and oh my gosh, gosh, I was so much sicker than I thought I was. On the outside, I looked really healthy. I was doing all the right things, all the things that I knew to do that I had researched, but I hadn't actually uncovered the actual root of the problem. I had two parasites. I had H. pylori. I had almost a non-existent immune system, inflammation. I wasn't digesting fat properly, tons of dysbiosis. I mean, it was a bit overwhelming, but also very freeing to know that I had answers and now I could really address the real issue or issues, I should say. So I did that. I went through my own healing journey. And honestly, it was so life-changing. I never thought I would be free of all the symptoms that I had. And so at that point, I thought, I really want to incorporate this into my practice. I really want to help people uncover the root of their issues. Because as we know, everything really points back to the gut. So I started uh, incorporating uh, GI map testing into my practice. And so that's primarily what I do now is work with people on their gut health. I also do teach at Emory University in Atlanta in their nurse practitioner program. I've been doing that for 21 or two years now. So that's yeah. just a little bit about me. Yeah. <laughs> I love, so I just did my GI map and everyone should know this podcast is not sponsored by GI map. We're not sponsored. <laughs> it just happens to be the test we both have used. And so it's a stool test for those wondering, you poop in a cup for science. And I had a, I, you never treat yourself. I mean, you can, but like I had a friend of mine who's very into gut health, look over it. And I was like, what do you think? And he's like, it's a good thing that you're a pretty robust person because you have a lot going on in your gut. Like, you know, it's amazing that you're doing as well as you are considering what's actually happening in your gut. And I was like, no, no, the gut, I don't feel well in the gut. Like I know things are wrong. <laughs> But you're right. I'm really grateful that I had the rest of me, diet, lifestyle, et cetera, sleep, et cetera, et cetera, were doing really pretty well and sort of towing the line. But uh, I didn't have parasites, but I did. I have a H. pylori carrier. It's the third time I've had it, but I had a lot of other like inflammation and things pop up. And I was like, oh, there are my answers. There it is. <laughs> there it is. That's what's so amazing is that you actually have some concrete answers rather than just guessing and doing all the healthy things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's another test. I don't know if they still do this. There's a company called Genova. And on their test, uh, when I was in practice, they would, if they found a parasite or a worm, they would take a picture and include it in the report. And that was always really, really fun for me as a practitioner, but uh, horrifying for my patients. Because I'm like, look, there's your worm. They're like, no. No, I don't want to see <laughs> it. I don't want to see that. So, but it was really, <laughs> versus just seeing positive or negative, they had actually had a picture of it. And that was, would really hit home for people to go, look, there's your parasite right there in, in picture format. So I always thought that was really fun. So to start though, we have to go with the basics. What is gut health. You and I know what gut health, it's a term that just rolls off our tongue easily. But if you're talking to somebody brand new who has no idea, how do you describe gut health to them? 
Sure. So I would say gut health really describes kind of the function and the balance of the bacteria throughout the GI tract. So really it's about having good balance. We're always going to have some opportunistic or pathogenic bacteria. Nobody's perfect. I mean, we get exposed to things all day long. So it's really about having that good balance in the microbiome. That's what I would say. It's just a quick and simple, that's what gut health is. And we hear that gut health or intestinal health starts in the mouth and the oral cavity. What does that mean? Why does it start there? Yes, that's so important. And I'm glad that you asked that question because I would think of the mouth or I like to think of the mouth as kind of like the gatekeeper for the gut. So this is where we regulate everything that enters, right? Whether it's good or bad, this is where everything is regulated. So think of your digestive tract as a river and the mouth is kind of the source of the river. So that means that every time you swallow, you're actually swallowing. We're swallowing bacteria, whether good or bad, all day long. So oral health is so incredibly important. And I think there's a lot more awareness now around the oral microbiome and how really crucial that is to health because really it not only can, if you have an imbalance there and some pathogens, it can cause both issues in the oral cavity, but also systemic issues and diseases. And so there's a lot more kind of research and awareness around that now, but it starts. So the GI tract starts in the mouth. And then if we just kind of walk down, it's your mouth, your esophagus, your stomach, the small intestine, the large intestine, and then the rectum. So that's kind of the, we look at the GI tract and all of the parts, so to speak, that are involved. Those are the parts that are involved. And any one of those parts or all of those parts can become dysfunctional, right? Yes, 100%. We have to look at it as a whole. And that's what I love too about really root cause and looking at functional medicine, we're really looking at the body as a whole, whether we're talking about the gastrointestinal tract or that we're really looking at everything as a whole. And I have interviewed on here some biologic dentists, Dr. Stacy for one, and, and it's just, I love that everyone is now talking more about mouth health or oral cavity health. Just like you said, when you swallow good or bad, you're, everything you swallow is going right down into your stomach and then your small intestines and your large intestines. And so if you have inflamed gums, if you have a root canal gone bad, if you have bad bacteria in your mouth, if you're not one to brush regularly or floss regularly, (laughs) and then, and you're curious as to why you have all sorts of stomach issues or intestinal issues that can play a role. And I, and we, it's so disconnected, but just as you said, it's, we have to look at it as the whole system and the mouth is the, the source for the whole intestinal river. I love that analogy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, I love simple analogies. I'm kind of a visual person. So if I can picture something in my mind and it makes sense, like, okay, I can reference that when I start to think about it. So that helps. You know, everyone right now is like, note to self, go see a dentist. <laughs> note to self, <laughs> right. go floss. <laughs> go floss. Go, go floss. Use mouthwash. Brush your teeth. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. So when it comes to gut health overall, what are the common symptoms from mouth to rectum that people need to think about? So I would say, let's start with like the most common. I mean, the most common, if you think you have a gut issue is GI symptoms, right? So the most common things I see, bloating, gas, constipation. Those will probably be for me in my practice. That's probably the top three. Then also sometimes it's diarrhea, indigestion, abdominal pain. So if you are someone who has one or more of those symptoms, more than just occasionally on a regular basis, then something is not right in your gut. Something is off. Something is out of balance. So that's important. So 
if you have any of those symptoms, then, you know, there are a lot of extra gut manifestations. So if we kind of look at some of those, because sometimes we don't connect the dots of, well, I see people that say, well, I don't know if I should do this test. I want to do this GI map test. It seems kind of cool. And it seems like you could get an idea of kind of your overall health and wellness, but I don't really have any gut symptoms. And I mean, I've never tested one person that didn't have some issues. But if we're looking at other symptoms, it could be things like multiple food sensitivities or intolerances. I mean, that's one that I commonly see. People will say, well, I've just, I've cut out this, 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 and this. And it's often healthy foods, what we consider healthy foods. They just can't tolerate them. So really, I try to just explain very simply to patients that it's not really an issue with the food. It's an issue that you in your gut that is causing that. So we haven't gotten to the root of the problem yet. So I have people who want to do food sensitivity tests, which there's nothing wrong with, but I always say, well, you really need to do a GI map with it because if you have all these food sensitivities, then we know that you have underlying gut issues. So we're not getting to the root of the problem if we don't uncover more. So certainly food sensitivities. Sleep is another one that I see. Poor sleep, people not being able to either fall asleep or stay asleep because we know that the microbiome produces and releases many of the same sleep-influencing neurotransmitters, things like dopamine, serotonin, GABA. I mean, those are produced in the brain, but also in the gut. Melatonin is produced in the gut. So it is, you know, there's a huge, we know there's a huge gut-brain connection. And so sometimes it will be, people will say, you know, I'm just, I'm tired all the time because I'm not sleeping. So, and then, you know, why are you not sleeping? Of course, there are other things to look at and investigate, but that could be a, a sign having a low or weak immune system. I mean, we know 70 to 80% of our immunity lives in our gut lining. And so that is really important. If someone is feeling like they're getting sick all of the time and their immune system just isn't strong, that's a good sign or a common sign. Things, emotional issues like anxiety and depression, studies show that positive effects that we have positive effects on our emotional wellness through good gut health. So having, we know certain bacteria are linked to mental health issues and emotional issues. So that's really important to have that good balance in the microbiome. Otherwise, we can have some of that anxiety, depression, even mood swings. I see mood swings a lot with in patients with H. pylori. That's one of the common things that I see there. Skin issues. That's another one. I mean, that's a big one, right? Huge, yeah. Acne, eczema, psoriasis, any type of skin breakouts. I see that a lot with candida. But also our skin is a huge way that our body detoxes. And so often these are just signs that something deeper is going on. Our body's kind of crying out for help. So it may be that you have skin issues. Another one I would say is hormone imbalances. I mean, that's a huge one for women especially, right? I mean, we know the gut microbiome plays a huge key role in the regulation of hormones, estrogen levels. It even influences the risk of developing estrogen-related diseases like endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, breast cancer, prostate cancer. And if we're not digesting and absorbing fat properly, we're not manufacturing and utilizing hormones like we should. So that's another common thing that I see. And I often see patients who will say, well, I have these gut issues, symptoms, and I have these hormone issues. So should I just go get tested for all of this? 
And I mean, I'm a big proponent of hormone testing as well, but I always tell them, well, we really need to get to the root of the problem. And sometimes if we see that there's a gut issue and we work on your gut health, the hormone issues resolve or improve. So we always really start there. And then I would say lastly, probably another one that I see commonly is difficulty losing weight. I see it. And I mean, you wouldn't maybe think this, but I've actually seen it play out in multiple clients. Um, I actually had a client several years ago. I distinctly remember her because she, at the end of her protocol that I had given her, she said, I took these supplements that you told me to take, but to be honest, I didn't change anything I was eating. I didn't change you know, any exercise I was doing, but she lost 13 pounds just by getting rid of the bad stuff, rebalancing the microbiome, improving the gut health. And we know that studies show that dysbiosis plays a major factor in weight gain, low-grade inflammation that's caused by some of these pathogens. This leads to increased fat storage, insulin resistance. So that's how we it's harder to lose weight if our gut health is not good or out of balance. So I would say, I don't know, did I miss anything? I would say those are like, <laughs> that was a lot. No, that was amazing. I, you know, people are listening, just checking off the boxes. Like, that's me. That's me. That sounds like me. I just saw a friend of mine the other day and she had been trying to lose sort of the last 20 pounds, postpartum pounds. And she's really healthy, really health conscious. She couldn't figure it out. Saw a practitioner who did gut testing on her. And she said, I had candida. I have pathogens. I have inflammation. Like, you know, she had all the things. And she, and I said, did you feel it? She said, yeah, I felt it. My stomach was a mess. I was very puffy. All the pictures of me, my face is very big and puffy. I just always felt, and she's a small person to begin with. So, and with this, and some people, my head is not small, but her head is very small. You know, some of those people just, she's just a tiny person. And she said, I started the protocol on, again, rebalancing, improving the dysfunction, et cetera, et cetera. And she said, I lost 10 pounds. Just like that, I feel a lot of the, the puffiness has significantly decreased. I can see a difference in my face. I'm seeing the outline that I used to see pre-pregnancy. Like, this is amazing. And it was just all gut. And eventually it will also help other symptoms. She's having hormone symptoms, fatigue, et cetera. So while she wanted to lose weight, really what she was doing was addressing just what you said, the root cause. She was all that inflammation that her body was constantly fighting because she's battling a war of pathogens and dysfunction and candida in her gut was affecting. She was holding on to the weight because of what it was of the systemic effect. And by addressing what was happening in the intestines, then the body was like, okay, cool. We can let go of this now and get rid of all this puffiness. Exactly. I love so, that. And I just saw her. So this, yeah. So it really fits with what you just said. And I've heard it a lot as well from other practitioners where they said, my, I swim in the hormone world. And so a lot of times practitioners consult with me and they say, they have all these hormone symptoms, whatever it is. And oh, by the way, gut symptoms, what should I do first? So let's say budget is an issue. What should I do first? I always say, oh, go with the gut. Go with the gut. Because if you address the gut, oftentimes it either will significantly or completely resolve itself in the, in the hormone land. And so not always but maybe enough that people go, oh, I didn't even realize my PMS is so much better. My periods are so much better or 70% better, 50% better, whatever it is. And I'm sure you yeah, see that absolutely. as well. Yeah. So we've talked about testing and while we've mentioned uh, GI map <laughs> over and over, can you just explain generically how you, like why you can't do a blood test? What did you do in conventional 
medicine when you're a nurse practitioner before when it came, when you somebody said I have gas and bloating and or diarrhea or constipation would you do any kind of stool testing and then what is considered a more functional stool test that we're both talking about so just sort of give us the gamut of conventional to holistic <laughs> okay sure so in the convention when I worked in conventional medicine I funny enough I actually did not do anything gastrointestinal related. I actually did cardiology for 20 years. Isn't that interesting? So, but to say that, unfortunately, when patients just complain, I mean, I know, I know from being a patient and then obviously having colleagues who worked with GI specialists, if you have bloating and gas and constipation, it's basically like, well, take some gas X and take some stool softeners and incorporate more fiber. I mean, there's no, unless someone was having really significant symptoms where you thought they may have blood in their stool. Now that was, or they reported blood in their stool and you needed to test obviously for that. That was a common reason we would do a stool test or it would be done in the hospital. But then also if someone thought that they may have some type of parasite, like maybe they had like these chronic symptoms, chronic diarrhea, whatever the case may be, then they may do a stool test, which did not test for all of the things that we look at on the test that we've been talking about and most of the kind of more functional medicine tests look at. So honestly, it's not really it's Band-Aid approaches, unfortunately. Or if you need a scope, if you need an endoscopy or colonoscopy, if you have significant symptoms or family history or something like that, then certainly those tests would be done. But most of the time, I see patients who... I mean, they've gone down that whole route and all those tests are normal. And then we do a stool test and it's like, whoa, I have all these things wrong. I did that. I mean, I had colonoscopy, endoscopy, I had all the things. And so that's just unfortunately the way conventional medicine is and the training that's involved there. And But in terms of functional medicine, doing a stool test, before I did decided to do a GI map, I looked at all the stool tests out there and there are several on the market. And what I found was the GI map was the most sensitive, the most specific. They use a type of technology called uh, quantitative PCR technology. It just stands for polymerase chain reaction. So basically, what does that mean? That means that the pathogens that they're testing for, they're actually targeting and looking for the DNA of those specific organisms. So that makes the test much more sensitive, specific. It's a better method of testing. So that's why I chose this particular stool test. Like I said, there are other tests on the market, but I believe this to be the best one personally. And I know most practitioners use the GI map that I talk with and there is also a test called the organic acids test, which I'm sure you're probably know and are familiar with. So this is a urine test and it tests like over 70 urine metabolites. So basically what this is looking for is byproducts of bacteria and yeast. And so it's measuring these levels of these markers that can help identify which metabolic processes are blocked or compromised in the body. So it's actually a very complex and complicated test. I think personally, to get the information that you're looking for in comprehensive, but in kind of a more concise way, I love the GI map. I don't, I haven't done Genova before, but I've heard of people doing Genova. I do think that's really cool that you could get a picture of your parasite or your worm. That's really cool. <laughs> you can name it. There are a couple companies. So GI map is run by Diagnostic Solutions, then Genova, which is in North Carolina. 
And then Microbiome Labs, which is out of Florida. Doctors Data, which is out of Chicago. So there's a couple in our world that are pretty comprehensive. Did you ever have people in practice that said, oh yeah, I did a maybe recently or in, since you've switched into functional medicine. Oh yeah, I my primary care, my internist, they had me do, I did a stool sample. It was an open parasite and it was negative. I don't need to do that test. Do you have ever had people say that? <laughs> yes, I've had people say that. Yes. And other tests too, like for H. pylori, obviously we test for H. pylori. So I'll get a lot of questions around that. Like, Maybe they will have had an endoscopy and had a biopsy, or they've done a breath test or a blood test. So yeah, I get a lot of that for sure. Can you explain the difference between just doing a quick ovin parasite, which basically just means parasite in their eggs, and a more expansive functional test that we're talking about? How oh, they're different. <laughs> yeah. So if we're just doing the ovin parasite looking for a parasite, I mean, that's all the information that you're going to get. And if you're doing that, you're likely obviously in the conventional world and you'll get some type of anti-parasitic treatment for that if it were positive, but you're missing a huge portion and picture of the whole microbiome and really what's going on. Because if I see someone, let's say I do a GI map and I see that they have a parasite, well, I'm not just concerned about eradicating that parasite. I have to look at everything else that's going on. And honestly, a lot of times it's like, well, if they have, let's just take this scenario because this is very common. They have H. pylori and they have a parasite. Now, sometimes patients will ask me, well, do you think I got these at the same time? How did I get these? Obviously, there's no way to know. But what happens a lot is H. pylori causes low stomach acid. When we don't have enough stomach acid, we don't digest our food properly. But also when we're exposed to parasites and other pathogens, we don't have that good, strong acid in the stomach to destroy them. So we're kind of like a prime target for other pathogens to grow and multiply. So that's so I usually tell people it's likely, no way to know for sure, that you had the H. pylori that caused the low stomach acid then you got exposed to this parasite. It wasn't, your body couldn't kill it off. The acid of the stomach should be like a first kind of line of defense when it hits there. And so then you were just like a prime target. So if I just tested and found out about the parasite and this person also had H. pylori, I'm not really fixing the problem. I could get rid of the parasite, but then we're not really, again, fixing the underlying problem. Plus, as you know, we get such great information about intestinal health and how are you digesting your food properly? Are you making enough digestive enzymes? Are you digesting and absorbing fat? Is your liver detoxing properly? Do you have too much circulating estrogen? You know, looking at that beta-glucuronidase. We also look at our immune system with the secretory IgA. If you're possibly making antibodies to gluten, we can look at the anti-gliadin IgA and then also the calprotectin for a marker of inflammation. So all of those things we get on the GI map that you wouldn't get if you were just doing a sample for a parasite. Right. And I, my patients would freak out, of course, because collecting your stool never sounds like a lot of fun. So I'm like, no, trust me, you're going to collect your poop for science and you're going to get pages of information. And it's going to be so exciting. One, because it'll help give you answers. And two, because you don't realize how much information we're just scratching the surface when it comes to what we know about our intestines and the microbiome, but it will be it's not for nothing. You're going to get a lot of info when you get those tests back. And then when they get all the pages back of whatever company they're going through, 
it's like super fast. They're like, that's inside me. I'm like, it sure is. <laughs> that's <laughs> yes. what's going on. Like, it, yep, that's exactly what's going on. But what happens is these people come to see us and they get diagnosed with, they're, they come in, they're like, why are you here? I have IBS. I've been told I have IBS. Oh, I was told I, I got diagnosed with IBS 15 years ago. How do you, you and I view IBS a little differently than the conventional world. Can you explain, first of all, what is IBS and then how you view it differently than take a stool softener and make sure you have enough fiber? Yes, absolutely. I love this question. So IBS stands for irritable bowel syndrome, and it is a common diagnosis, but it's really just based on symptoms. So it's typically kind of a multitude of symptoms, things like cramping, abdominal pain, bloating, gas. It could be diarrhea or constipation or a combination of both. Sometimes diarrhea, sometimes constipation. And honestly, I, I kind of view it like a diagnosis of exclusion in traditional medicine. They were looking for these other things. Well, we can't find anything else, but you have these symptoms. So, oh, you have IBS. The problem with that is it's not that sort of labeling someone with that diagnosis is necessarily bad. It's that then what next? There's never a step to figure out, well, why do you have this? And what can we do to fix the problem? It's more like, well, you have this, you're always going to have it. It's just, I mean, that's the way I was diagnosed with IBS. So that's just, that's the way that I kind of felt like, uh, or feel like it's treated in traditional medicine. So in functional medicine, we may say, oh yeah, you have like an IBS type picture. You have the symptoms, but why do you have that? So then we want to dig further and really kind of, I like to think of it like peel back the layers of the onion and let's see what is actually going on underneath the surface. Because sometimes we even give, we even do some Band-Aid approaches in functional medicine, healthy Band-Aid approaches. And there's nothing wrong with that because we want to control symptoms but we're still never going to overcome that or really get better if we don't discover what's actually causing the issue. And another acronym that comes up a lot is SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Can you touch on that? Because that's IBS is probably the most common, but I'm, of course, seeing SIBO a lot more, uh, one, in the literature, but just two on social media and in blogs and people being diagnosed with it. So can you cover that? Yeah, absolutely. So. SIBO is an acronym, as you said, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And so this basically happens when there's an abnormal increase in the bacteria in the small intestine. So we shouldn't have all of these bacteria in the small intestines or more in the large intestines is typically where they are found. So, and this typically causes things like, I mean, it can be the same, abdominal pain, bloating, gas, diarrhea or constipation sometimes loss of appetite, sometimes weight loss, I'll see that. Often it's caused by slow motility through the digestive tract, which creates this breeding ground for bacteria. Food sits in areas that it shouldn't because our digestion is slow. Now that could be because they don't have enough stomach acid and we're not digesting food properly. So there are lots of causes for it, but that's typically what happens is when you get this overgrowth in the small intestines, bacteria that should not be there. And you do a breath test. That's typically how you diagnose it. So it's obviously non-invasive. Basically, it looks at the amount of either hydrogen or methane that you breathe out after drinking this mixture of glucose and water. And so if you have a rise in exhaled hydrogen or methane, 
that indicates that you have these bacteria that are overgrown in your small intestines. And one of the other organs that I obviously know or have heard of lots that contributes to gut issues is your gallbladder, (laughs) right? We need our, well, we should hopefully have our gallbladder, but I completely understand that some people had theirs out and I get it, but the gallbladder is where we store bile. So the liver makes bile, but the gallbladder stores bile. And how many of your patients have said to you, ever since I've had my gallbladder out, it's been downhill from there. <laughs> I can't digest certain foods. I feel like my I have diarrhea quite often or loose stools. I have to be very careful. I can't do fatty foods anymore. I had a patient come in and say, well, now I can't digest lettuce. Like last week I could eat salads and this week I can't. I was like, oh yes, welcome to having your gallbladder out. What does bile do? And then like, what does it mean when you have your gallbladder out? Sure. So as you said, the gallbladder's main function is to store bile. And so what bile does is it helps our digestive system break down fats primarily. And so bile is really just a mixture of cholesterol, bilirubin, and bile salts. That's kind of what bile consists of. So as you said, it's made and it's released by the liver, but stored in the gallbladder. So when you don't have a gallbladder, so you think, okay, well, then what happens? If you don't have a gallbladder, there's no place for the bile to be collected. So instead, your liver actually releases the bile straight into the small intestines. So the bile goes into the small intestines, which still allows you to digest most foods. It's just larger amounts, especially of fatty foods, greasy foods, even high fiber foods become a little bit harder to digest. And so Bile salts are the primary component of bile, and they're needed by the body, again, to break down, not only break down fats, but aid in digestion, absorption of vitamins and nutrients. So a lot of times we'll give bile salts as a supplement to kind of assist, especially if somebody's having symptoms like that. So yeah, it's important, but you can live without it, but it's, yeah. (laughs) You're not doomed. You're not doomed. But one of the things I would say all the time is that I wish surgeons or somebody would better explain the after effect of having your gallbladder out. Like if you have to have your gallbladder out, I wish they would sit down with them and say, here's what bile does. Here's what the, just exactly what you said. This is what the gallbladder does. After surgery, here's what you might expect. And here, the you, bile salts, which is a supplement, is maybe something you're going to be on, especially with fatty meals for the rest of your life. And it's okay because you're just helping to add in that extra bile salt to break this down. But instead, what I hear from patients is I was told I could eat anything afterwards. I was told nothing would change. I was told that it's the procedure super easy. And after the fact, I'll go back to normal. And guess what? I'm not normal. I'm like, oh, I know. I agree with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish they had some better education around it. Poster. Me too. I hate that because setting the precedence for something like that, because that's a big decision. I mean, it's a surgery, you're losing an organ basically. So it is It's not to just be like, oh, okay, I'll go. If you, I just had a patient actually ask me about this. She's like, they're wanting to take my gallbladder out. And so we talked through it. And honestly, I said, it's not the end of the world. You basically have to decide because she was having some symptoms and some discomfort. I said, really, it comes down to how bad is this bothering you? Do you want to kind of wait it out and see? I mean, because she had kind of waxing and waning symptoms. And so it kind of often comes down to like a, a quality of life thing. But if it's really mild and you don't have to have it done, I'm with you. Like, don't just jump to doing it because someone's told you it's going to be so easy and you're not going to have any issues afterwards. Right, right. But if you have to, if you've got big stones blocking ducks, like we understand, but just be aware. 
talk to people about what it's like after the fact, <laughs> what might happen after the 100%. fact. 100%. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So I know we are big into precision or personalized medicine, but foundationally, are there gut health treatments that you kind of find yourself telling everybody or suggestions that you, like there's a foundation of everybody needs to do these things just for everyone listening who's like, okay, I understand now, or that's me, I have IBS, or that's me, my gallbladder's missing, or that's me, I have constipation. While they clearly should work with you as a patient, is there, is be their <laughs> practitioner, like what are the foundational things you tell people? Yeah, absolutely. So I talk a lot with clients about eating whole foods and getting rid of processed foods, sugar, those type things that we know moving your body every day. I mean, those are kind of just foundational to health in general. But if we're, if we're looking like really just at the gut, there are a few things that I always talk about. And that first would be sitting in a relaxed environment when you eat. I mean, we overlook, we're such a busy, on-the-go, high-stress society that we don't really take into consideration what little things that we can do that really do will make a big impact. So maybe sitting down, eating, not just running around, eating on the go, making sure that you put your fork down between every bite. That encourages you to chew your food better. I mean, that's where digestion starts. Again, is in the mouth. Deep breathing. If you can just sit and take, even if it's three to five deep breaths, inhale and exhale before you eat, that will help to activate your parasympathetic nervous system and the vagus nerve. And what that does, that's considered your rest and digest system. So that's going to help you digest your food. Otherwise, what we do is we're in this sympathetic state all day long, this fight or flight, and we're just kind of, we're going around, we're eating. We're, and so blood is actually being diverted away from our digestive tract because our body thinks that we need to go like fight a lion or something because we're in this sympathetic state. So deep breathing, relaxing while you eat, chewing your food properly, going for a walk after you eat. That really aids in digestion. Another thing that I encourage people, there is a little bit of different schools of thought around this, but trying to drink water like before or after your meal, not all during your meal, because that tends to dilute some stomach acid and digestive enzymes and Again, if our digestion is not 100% the way it should be, then we want to do every little thing we can to help it out. Certainly probiotics are great. I mean, we all need good bacteria. So I don't think that, I mean, I think that everyone can take probiotics. Really getting it from food, getting probiotics from food is even better. Things like yogurt, kombucha, kefir, sauerkraut, fermented veggies, kimchi, those type things. That's great. Sometimes we overlook things like prebiotic fiber. Fiber is so important to the microbiome and prebiotic fiber, you can get that from food. Things like bananas, onions, garlic, asparagus. Those are great sources of prebiotic fiber. And that's what the probiotics feed off of and kind of grow and multiply off of. So I would say just as a blanket statement, those things would help any and everybody. And those are very simple things that most of them that I mentioned don't even cost anything. You can start doing those like today and just see, I was the biggest like, oh, this deep breathing, this is stupid. I'm not doing this. Like, I was just like, this is not going to help me. I'm admitting it. I was, I was just, I mean, I came from traditional medicine. So I was, but I'm 
I mean, listen, I'm a believer. I mean, once I started doing it and really making sure I'm not like on my phone while I'm eating or on the computer working while I'm eating, it makes the biggest difference. It really does. And it's a hard switch for a lot of people who are so used to being on their phone, constantly distracted or responding to texts or emails as they're inhaling their food. That's, it sounds simple and ridiculous until you actually put it into practice consistently. And then you're like, oh, that worked. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Why didn't I do that sooner? Right. Look at that. Imagine that. I used to ask patients who were having a lot of GI issues, do you still have your GI issues on vacation? Like when you are completely relaxed on vacation. Now, not all vacations are relaxing. Sometimes it's your whole family's there and your kids and it's still just as stressful. But when you are truly relaxed, you still have GI symptoms. And it's amazing to me the number of people who were like, no, I don't. That's so funny. I'm like, it is funny. Maybe you need to be in a relaxed state when you eat. (laughs) It does play a role. It does. And that just made me think of one more thing that we didn't really talk about that I want to mention because this was really impacted me and my gut health journey and so many clients that I see. And that is stress. And we want to so badly, I know, because this was me, so badly we want to feel better, but we don't sometimes want to deal with stress because that's harder. And then you really have to, it's not like taking some supplements or changing what you're eating or exercising. I mean, dealing with the stress can be even more difficult. But what I know 100% personally and with clients is you can do all the other things right. And if you don't deal with the stress, you will not get better. I mean, you just won't. It impacts our body and our gut that much. Oh, here, here to that. Man, I talk about that a lot because stress seems to get, the word stress, the idea, the concept seems to get swept under the rug. Like, of course I'm stressed, but everybody's stressed. It's not a big deal, but it is. You're swimming in symptoms. You feel terrible and it's affecting your whole system. So we have to deal with this. So I'm so glad you said that. Ah, I love that. Well, given that this is the Root Cause Medicine podcast, and we have talked about a lot of things, everything from symptoms to acronyms to testing to foundational treatment, like what's the big overarching one or two things you want to leave everybody with who's listening to this going, dang, that's me. I have all these things. What do I do? Yes, absolutely. So I would say, first of all, just as a general principle, start becoming a student of your body. And what I mean by that is just pay attention. Our bodies are so smart. I mean, every day your body is sending you signs and symptoms. And if you're having symptoms, it's like your body is crying out. Something is going on. So don't just dismiss. Don't just get so busy that you just put everything off because that's only going to compound and you're only going to feel worse. So really pay attention because awareness is the key to transformation. So becoming aware of actually what's going on in your body. And I would say something also that I say to clients a lot is stop normalizing the abnormal. Like we are so, I mean, we are so like, this is the one that I hear all the time. And I did this too. Well, I really only poop like twice a week, but that's just normal for me. And I'm like, (laughs) no, not normal. You have convinced yourself that it's normal because you think, well, I'll never, uh, this is just the way I am. I just have to be this way. And that's not true. So whatever you're experiencing, if you're not at your highest state of wellness and you feel great every day, then dig, work with somebody that will help you figure out what is going on because you deserve to feel great and it doesn't have to be that way. And that is your body telling you something is off. So don't normalize the abnormal. (laughs) 
Common does not mean normal, right? Just because everybody in your family has heartburn and gas after meals doesn't mean it's normal. Everybody in your family should probably figure it out. (laughs) Exactly. I agree. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Julie. Okay. So where can people find you? Where can they see you? Where can they learn more about you? Where can they learn more from you? Give us all the details. Okay. Awesome. So I am at, I'm mainly on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, but I'm more active probably on Instagram. And I'm just at Ann Wellness. That's also my website. It's julianwellness.com. I have a podcast as well. And you've been a guest on our podcast. I have. I uh, share, I co-host with my sister. She's a pharmacist. And the podcast is called Take the Upgrade. It's really just all about health and wellness and how we can make these small upgrades daily that make big changes in our overall health. And then I also actually have a course and a website with a colleague of mine where we teach practitioners. If you happen to be a practitioner listening to this and you want to learn more about GI map testing, how to read the test, how to develop protocols, how to incorporate it into your practice, that is just gimapping.com. And same thing on social media. It's at gimapping. Amazing. Fantastic. Definitely listen to her podcast too, because we all want to take the upgrade. We all want that extra, that extra percent. So that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate all of your analogies, all your words of wisdom. It's just been fantastic. And I think you've really helped, like you said earlier, peel back the layer for people who are having a lot of GI issues, feeling at a dead end or told they have IBS, good luck, or you don't have a gallbladder, good luck. And you've just made it really actionable and down to earth for them. So thank you. Oh, I hope so. Thank you so much. This was so fun. my goodness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask before you go. If you love today's conversation, would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? My whole goal is education. So positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing. I so appreciate it. And I'll catch you on the next episode.